Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast that it's kind of a panel discussion, even though we are in different areas of the country right now. Um, I am in Ohio. My name is Pete Becky, and um, Pastor Josh Kugel is in Mississippi, and Pastor Don McDonald, P. Mack, is in Illinois. And Pastor Mack came up with this wonderful idea for us to have for this uh, episode of Reconciling Grace, because we realized that when we get this out online, it is probably going to be Christmas week. So Pastor Mac thought it might be a great idea to have us discuss Luke chapter 2. So Don, I'm going to let you take it from here, and uh, I don't know if you're going to just start reading or if you want to give us a little bit of an intro. I just thought I would open up God's Word and enjoy the moment. You know, that's one of the things about the Christmas narrative I enjoy is how many times have we heard it, but just slow down to really hear it. You know, turn off all your cell phones right now, if you could, please, and just take a deep breath and see the beauty of God's plan of redemption for us. And so I'm going to read Luke 2, 1 through 7, and it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be his wife to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What catches you as we read that section of Luke 2, anybody? From which part? There's so much in there. I know. I mean, you, you, the very start is like, it, it's this beautiful telling that sets up the, the, the biggest kind of breakthroughs, the biggest kind of mind-blowing thing. I mean, the, the very first words are, are re- help you realize that Jesus is being born to the people of God who are under foreign rule. Very first thing. Yep. And the foreign rule dictates that you have to return to your own hometown so we can count you. And so it starts out like, you know, one of the things we always say about Jesus is everybody wanted a Messiah. They were predicting a Messiah. They wanted a Messiah that freed them from Rome. And so the very beginning of the story of Jesus recognizes that they were under an oppressive or at least a, a, a dictating kind of Roman rule. So it starts out like that, but then it just keeps going on. He returned to his, own, uh, his ancestral town. Why is that important? Because it's prophecy being fulfilled. Yes. So it's just setting the stage for this just beautiful story um, that just starts out. Um, and then you notice that Mary rode a donkey and got there just in time to the inn where the innkeeper turned her away, right? You, you read those words, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
not, not a bad translation. So I don't know if you guys know this. A lot of that comes from traditional tellings that it's not from the story. The Bible doesn't say Mary rode a donkey. The Bible doesn't say she went to this commercial inn. The Bible doesn't say that they got there just in time. It, it's really interesting that she, while they were there, the time came. So mm -hmm. apparently there's no urgency or anything, or she's riding at the ninth and a half month of her pregnancy. But the big thing I want to get to, and then I'll let you guys talk. Hey, Josh, is, don't hold back, Josh. Don't I'm hold not. back. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we can't do this in one time. Um, but uh, he traveled there. I'm reading the New Living. I'm sorry. But he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged. So here's the interesting thing. She's expecting a child. She's engaged. And then another part in scripture, it says, Mary put it in his mind to divorce her quietly. Why do you have to divorce somebody who's engaged? And if you're engaged to somebody, you've been shacking up with them or something like that. And, and so it introduces this whole thing that we have to kind of unpack just really, really quickly. I'm going to try to is that Hebrew marriage in the time was different than current Western civilization marriage. Most of them were arranged marriages. Most of them didn't even have the consent of the people being married. It was the parents who put them together. Um, and the, the husband's family would give the wife's family money, a bride price or something to let them be married. And so then they were contractually married as soon as the two families entered this agreement. And for the next period, there was this period of purity or pledging or whatever you call it, could be as long as a year before the marriage ceremony would take place and before the consummation of the marriage would happen. So the period we're in right now is Mary and Joseph have been pledged to each other. They've signed a contract. They are legally married, even though we call it engaged in scripture because we don't have a, a, a modern concept of what they went through. They're legally married, but they have not had a wedding ceremony and they have not consummated the, the marriage. And she finds herself pregnant. This is why this is such a scandalous thing. This is why uh, Joseph was such a hero by saying, you know what? Um, another guy got her pregnant, but I'm going to divorce her quietly. An angel comes and says, it wasn't some other guy, Joseph. Congrats. You're going to raise the child of God. Oh, there's, I'm sorry. There's too much here. Somebody else talk for me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just want to jump off of what, what you said at the beginning, how the opening starts. I go back just a little bit even further than that, Josh, because the first thing that I see are in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus and that this was the first registration when, Quirinius, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. In other words, he's using factual time stamps on here. Hmm. This goes to speak to me, to the people who say, well, this is just a nice story. Yeah. No, this is a historian. This is somebody who is going out and writing these things down after finding the facts. Yeah, and Luke is very educated. The facts. Yeah, yeah he, he's finding the facts, but he's telling us this is when it happened. Mm -hmm. And he's giving us dates. I mean, they didn't have the calendars the same way we do today. You know, some people have talked about, why don't we know exactly where Jesus was born? Why don't we know exactly what date he was born? Well, honestly, going now to the cultural part of what you were saying, Josh, back then it wasn't a big deal to have, what's your birthday? You know, it was just a matter of they were born. They didn't necessarily have a birth certificate saying they were born on this date, this place, whatever. You know, they just knew whose who's family they were part of. So everything that you said, Josh, I agree with. And then I also like the fact that this is just pointing out here from Luke, the historian, the, the author, just how accurate these words are. Yeah.
you know, those of you who are listening on, on the podcast right now, um, can you tell we're excited about Luke 2? <laughs> you know, I, the story of, of Christmas is, and it's really not a story. I'm going with, you know, what Pete was talking about, the event of Christmas is so poignant and so powerful that us preachers, if, if you get us going, we could go just an hour, maybe on one verse. We get so excited about, you know, how Jesus came into this earth and, and the power of prophecy. You know, for those of you who, you know, study the gospels, Luke was the historian. So he's looking at history. He's proving history. If you want a Jewish experience of the narrative, you go to Matthew. Matthew's so busy about why Bethlehem. Well, that's Micah 5.2, you know, and, and bringing that to life. Um, and so when, you know, when I'm looking over the beginning of Luke 2, the thing I always marvel over is how simple but profound the birth event of Jesus was. While they were there, Luke just says the time came for the baby to be born. How much more simple can it be? You know, and she gave birth to her first son and she wrapped him in claws and she placed him in a manger. Note, manger, feeding trough. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time on the feeding trough, you know, over the years that I preach this. I, I was telling Josh before we came on to do this podcast, after 27 years of being in, in one place, it's sort of like, okay, I, we know PMAC's going to pick on the manger every year he does. And I guess that's not a bad legacy. Um, but to see the movement of God and to realize that he was there moving in history that he was there moving in prophecy. You know, if you notice, Pete picked on the issue of history. Josh picked up on the issue of the Hebrewness of the text and, and how the movement of God, you know, is so real in this and how simple it is and yet how it changed history forever. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I'm looking over this section of, of Luke 2, what I appreciate the most from this podcast, energy. You know, we, you bring hotness of the faith to how Jesus came. So that, that's sort of what I was, when I was looking over that section, I agree with Josh. We could go through one through, through seven for the next three hours, Josh, and, yeah. and just really bathe ourselves in it. Um, so. Yeah. The, the other challenge I like to give as we start this story is we've let extra biblical tradition tell this story way too much. Agree. Um, you know, by the mere fact that we have wise men stationed at a nativity main or at the, the manger scene means that we're not letting the Bible tell the story. Correct. Now, it's great. I, 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 I like that we have it because we get to talk to kids and other people about the role of wise men and everything. But Likely the wise men weren't there for some time after this event. Um, and the other thing we let happen too is, is we, we try to, and pastors, we're, we're guilty of this all the time. We try to fill in the blanks to make a lesson, to make, you know, that kind of thing. All, all we know, um, there, there wasn't a commercial in, it wasn't talking about, there wasn't an innkeeper. Um, more than likely, uh, the guest room wasn't available at the house they were trying to stay at. And so they had to make another room or a, a corner of another room available or, or one of the other sections of the house available. But we, we, need to let, we need to let it be 
wonderful in the simplicity of the story. We don't have every detail. We don't have every, uh, uh, we don't have to have every detail. The Bible just says, this is the reason they were there. This is where they went. This is where Jesus was born. He was laid in, I'm assuming, a clean and well cared for, at least the hay was a, a feeding trough. Right. So, right. so, so here is the setup to the greatest story ever told, the answer to prof, untold prophecy, or uh, uh, just, you know, hundreds of prophecies, the answer to all human longing, everything like that. The Caesar dictates that all of his subjects go somewhere so he can count them. And one of those little stories within the millions that I'm sure that that entails is a baby that was laid in a feeding trough not born to free from that Caesar who dictated that, born to free from something even bigger. Mm -hmm. um, well, so I, I don't know. And then you look at it, Josh, and you build upon it, Bethlehem. And the oh, yeah. David. I mean, you know, it, it's such a powerful, life-changing story. Yeah. And, and I, I guess... And Bethlehem was Bethlehem was a nothing town. No, it wasn't. It's like Danforth, you know, don't blink, you drive by it. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I think... You know, in terms of life application, look how God moves in history. And, and the last reconciling grace I did for Christmas, I spent a lot of time developing the thought of God moves through the darkest history <clears throat> of Israel to redeem the world. Yeah. And he's doing that today. And yeah. we could take off on that, but I'm not going to this evening. But um, mm -hmm. that's that's something that you know really caught my you know attention and looking over this section of luke 2 1 through 7 um i'm going to yield the floor and let josh go to town because i'm loving your party in through the <laughs> uh you want to do shepherds and angels next josh I, I would love to uh that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace to peace on earth to whom or to those with whom God is pleased. Amen. So, Amen. Stop there and talk for a minute. Yeah. Um, you got anything to say before I take over? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I'm sorry. No, I like the idea of what, of what you talked about earlier, Josh, with the whole things that we've put in there that aren't in there. Yeah. Um, this is one of them. You know, we, we talk about angels, you know, almost every manger scene that I've seen has a big angelic angel sitting, standing on top of the, uh, of the, bar, uh, the barn, stable, whatever you want to call it. And I, I, I wonder what this was like. Because, I mean, here are these, these angels appearing to these shepherds. And these shepherds were out in a field. And I'll tell you what, I think it was dark outside. And Pete, it was nighttime, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I think we get the idea that these angels appeared in you know hundreds of angels in God's glory and this big bright light up in the heavens, and almost like if it was shining from down below up to the top, it'd be one of those searchlights that we used right. to see. And, when, and yet, when you look at verse nine, it's yeah. singular, an yeah. angel. 
Exactly. It's yeah. one angel and the glory show appeared to them and shone around them. So I think it was just a small thing here. It was not like this huge announcement. Otherwise, everybody from all around would have been coming running out. What's this light about? Right. You yeah. know, but but God works through the through the everyday stuff. And I think he was just dealing with these few shepherds, however many there were. Were there were there two? It says there were shepherds, so we know it's plural. Were there two, three, five, ten? We don't know. Yeah. Um, did they have one of them didn't have a drum or did they have a drum? I don't know. That's little no, not till the, not till the manger. Yeah, they, yeah. they stopped but, by and picked it up. Right, but still, the point is, again, <laughs> I, I wonder what the angel looked like to these people. The Bible yeah. talks about that sometimes people have entertained strangers and by oh, doing yeah. so have under, entertained strangers unawares. They weren't even aware that they were angels. Well, here I believe that they knew they were angels because of the glory of the Lord showing around them. But what did that angel look like when they first saw that? It just that's yeah. that's what I see in there. Yeah, I, I don't know, but the most significant part of this is that shepherds were told first. Mm -hmm. um, I, it, there, there's no way to overstate how odd it is that this message from heavenly hosts was delivered to shepherds. There's just no way to overstate that that is the oddest thing, the most unique, anti-rational thing. Because shepherds in, in the Jewish system, their mindset and all, were, were not just outcasts. They were, they were left outs. Um, they were out in the fields watching flocks that were going to probably be used in temple sacrifices. But in order to do that, they would have to stay out in the fields sometimes for weeks and months at a time, which, mean, which means that they missed the ritual washings that had to be taken for them to enter the temple. So, so get this, they're watching sheep to be used in temple sacrifices, but are unable themselves to take part in those temple services or ceremonies. But that's not even the big part. Because they're out in the field for so long, and because they're probably smelly, because they're going a while without bathing or whatever else, and they're left out of all the happenings in the village, um, they're out of the current events, they're out of the news. So here, here are people who can't participate in, in weekly religious ceremonies and who are not participating in the weekly life of the, the, the community. These are people that are weird. These are people that are probably uh, poor and dirty. These are people that are low in class. Now, David was a shepherd and a king, and I think shepherds had this kind of high standard or status back then, but no longer. These are people who you, you, you were kind of like, you know what, uh, I can't get any other kind of job, so I'll be a shepherd. At least that's the impression I get. Um, and here is the most significant event in the history of the world, and the weirdos are picked to hear it first. And I don't know, weirdo may be a strong way to say it, but the 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 left outs, the the, the least qualified, maybe the least expected. I mean, when you think about it, even even Jesus, when he walked the earth and he chose the twelve apostles, if you look at it from a strictly worldly point of view, the most qualified may have been Judas. Yeah, yeah. You know, from yeah. a worldly standpoint, but Jesus chose those with whom he saw um, something that 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 other people couldn't see. Yeah. What do you, what did he see in shepherds? 
And these these specific shepherds. Yeah, he saw something. We don't. God saw something. We don't. I think. I think it's. Work. I think it's partly about them, but I think it's partly for us. I think he. I think he appeared to shepherds first, so we would know um, that he came for those the world system has run over, and those the world system has left out, and and those that that don't have, and those that are oppressed, and those that are hurt. And, and I think the phrase you just picked up on that a lot of people could ID with are those who are hurt. Yeah. Sometimes when you are hurt, you think, well, God doesn't want me. That's why I'm hurt. And then you look at the whole entrance of Jesus into redemptive history. He starts with those who are the least likely to become mm -hmm. the most likely in Jesus's eyes. You yeah. Know? And the transformation of the Christmas event takes us from the temple where Shekinah, God's presence dwells, yeah. Shekinah in each one of us. You look at, it's, it's really interesting. I'm just thinking about this. The, the people that Jesus appears to, and, and here the angels appear to the shepherd, but then he appears to them at the manger. You look at like Anna, the, the prophetess in the temple, this old lady who's been single and living in the temple for years, can't even go into the main part of the temple because she's a woman. He, and, and, and she's the one that recognizes. And you look at the, the guy at the pool. Was it the pool at Bethesda or whatever? Or you look at lepers. You look at, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, the people that this is the most important best-selling book of all time records these stories of God made flesh meeting with rejects <laughs> it's just and and it's kind of the start of the story these shepherds staying yeah. in a field nearby and they get a heavenly spectacle <laughs> yeah. well and, and it's a foreshadowing of how god wants each one of us to be in the kingdom yeah it's like saying to me josh when i'm looking over this section it, it says in essence you have no excuse not to be terrified of God. Why do you think that text says, don't be scared? Yeah. I see you're in the presence of God. You're in Christ, the anointed one. You're in the Lord, the, the Yahweh, the redeemer. You're, you're in the full presence of God's redeeming love. And these shepherds are going to come and say, hey, even I am in the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, over the years and the decades that I that I preached it, you know, I, I I run to the manger to say Jesus is in a feeding trough. He's not removed from you. He is placed in a very routine feeding trough for everyone to come and encounter him. I.e., look at the progression of thought. Shepherds. Yeah, it's not inaccessible to you. No. Yeah. Not at all. So, Pete, what are you thinking? You want to do 15 through? Sure. Let's just finish up this section, 15 through 21. I think that'd be a good place for us to go and, and maybe then conclude this uh, episode. So let's start with 15. I'm going to be reading, just to make things different, from the English Standard Version. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thanks for reminding me, Pete, why I chose the version I usually read from. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was just different. The 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 it uh, is, yeah. as it has been told them, as had been told them, as had been told them. That's repeating the shepherds had been told. The shepherds were the ones who had been told, kind of going yeah. along with what we were talking about in the last the last section there. Hey, let me ask both of you guys a question. New Living Translation is pretty close. When the angels had returned to heaven. So the angels are, are spiritual beings that became visible. Is that just meaning that they became invisible again? Well, I'm going to get into a whole other thing about what is heaven. And where is heaven. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, a, I will say this much, Josh, there is a spiritual dimension to this world. That, is that heaven? Um, I, I don't, I can't say that that is or isn't, but I will just say this much, that there is a spiritual dimension to this world that a lot of people discount, but there is a spiritual dimension to this world that we can't yeah. see while we are in this, uh, in this body. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. It's just, I, 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 that never jumped out at me before. I just thought it was kind of interesting. Isn't that how, how tech speak to you? All of a sudden something else catches you. you yeah. Know? yeah. I think it's just saying that they, they, they went away or something like that. But well, heaven, heaven also meant just simply up the skies, you know, heaven could mean that in the, in that language as well. But, but I, I, what I see yeah. the ebb and flow of, God reaching, you know, go, I'm going all the way back to when Moses got the Ten Commandments and, and the glow on Moses's face of how God was encountered, you know, and how that shaped that moment. And, and I think this is another moment of angels coming, encountering, becoming a visible form, and then they disappear back into the presence of God. You know, I, you know, when people ask me, you know, it's like the cosmonauts, remember when they went up to the you know the space they didn't see heaven quote unquote if you remember that conversation of sputnik um you know i i always say heaven is a place where when you're there you'll know it and that's the way i put it <laughs> yeah well it does this, this goes along and i'm trying to remember which prophet it was who, who said to the person lord open his eyes to sh let him see that those who are with us are more than those who are against us yeah. Um, I can't remember the specific chapter and verse of that, but the point is that there were spiritual beings around that that were not seen by most people, but that God let be seen. So again, there's a spiritual realm. Well, do, so where do, is do heaven? Think, I don't know. Do you think they did not become physical and they God just gave them sight into uh, another dimension? Are you talking? Or do you think they became physical here in this story? The shepherds, I mean, and these the angels. angels, the angels. Yeah, I mean, what what is an angel? You know, is it, is an angel flesh and blood? Does an no. angel ever have flesh and blood? No. You know, that's what we're saying. Do we do we know what what an angel is made up of? I don't know. All I know is that an angel is a spiritual being, and that well, they, we know that we know that they're not physical. Correct. Right. They could they can be seen at times, which is obvious from from this scripture here. Yeah. 
But I, I, I would say, and I'm sorry, this is this is a wrong sidetrack. I'm sure. I would say that they took on a, a presence or something that's not normal to them. Well, and the text says that too. Yeah. You know, it's shown around them that there, there had to be some. The way I, when I do youth group teaching on this, I said there has to be some physical form that is comfortable enough that the shepherds are willing to hear the message. Oh yeah, well, they wouldn't see it. it I, exactly. You know, when when I teach it to youth groups, I, I say, but also it, it's a form that we don't totally understand it's never clear all through scripture it's not totally clear yeah what we know is it's enough that humankind can recognize that there's something special happening yeah you know when we're talking about heaven i was just thinking for pete is uh i heard it described this past weekend um as as folks in blue entered a field uh up in ann arbor michigan um <laughs> I'm just kidding, Pete. <laughs> For those who don't know, you know, I happen to live in Ohio. Okay, so that's what uh, that's what we're talking about. It's it, it wasn't a big deal to me one way or the other. I probably okay. I probably just lost half of the people in in my ministry. But no, um, I'm just saying that's what he's talking about, folks. Leave it to a yeah. rebel to do that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, let's let's all get right. Back let's to go the on. Angels. Let's go on. Let's get back to the angels here and. And, um, and to me, again, what I was saying at the end of that um, was how often it, 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 in those few verses, it just stressed that the shepherds said what they had been told or what they had been seen or has had, as had been told to them. It was just yeah. stressing that these angels spoke to these shepherds, which, as you said earlier, Josh, um, you know, they were probably one of the lowest of the low in society. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I think it'd be interesting to point out, too, is... Do you think that all the shepherds said was, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see the thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about? Or do you think there were like, <laughs> I, I'm of the opinion that there were many, 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 many conversations going on at that point. Well, you know, sure. whoa, did you see that? Whoa, that, <laughs> why us? You know, that kind of stuff. But uh, it's, it's interesting that Luke picks this part or that, that God revealed to him this part or that he, I, I don't know. Well, um, I mean, if you look at look at Paul. If you look at the Book of Acts, and you look at Paul when he talks about his Damascus Road experience, he doesn't ever say it exactly the same way. And I think three times he recounts it. But yeah. all the things probably happened, and this is probably a summation. This is yeah. almost certainly well, just a summation. I'm of the opinion that this is what God wants us to know. And, sure. But it's it's also sometimes it's interesting to me, and sometimes I'll present it when I'm preaching, and I'll can you imagine what else they were saying? <laughs> yeah um you know i can you imagine what else you know what they were thinking i i i i've always imagined pete you brought it up we don't know how many shepherds i've always imagined there was a great group of shepherds we don't know mm -hmm. but there had to at least be enough of them there to talk to each other um and wonder <laughs> did, <laughs> did, any of them stay and watch, did any of them stay and watch the sheep oh i yeah. man after after you had seen that and after you were told that i think you'd just leave the sheep for good um, Probably, but I mean, you know, that's that's just one of those questions that comes to people's yeah, minds. You yeah. know? Always, I I think. Um, well, it said the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. So God. apparently, they left them for a little while. Yeah, but and the thing that always catches me about this section of Luke too is there's a sense of urgency to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're looking at verse 16, so they hurried off. 
they didn't just leave they hurried off that there was there was a sense of urgency that they were in, going to encounter something great yeah you know and and i think that that's the thing that i find and i'll use these words most frustrating about the christmas event for those who are the historic christians that have heard it over and over and over again we lose that sense of urgency to get the message out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, part of the urgency, I think, here, Don, was the fact that in the second section, um, they were actually told to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were told. So they, they went because they were told. I wonder if the angel witness specifically said, go and look, if they would have yeah. been, if they would have had such urgency. But the point is, they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Well, and that's looking out. You're going right away to the Great Commission, in my mind. Mm -hmm. If you notice yeah. about being sent and a sense of urgency and... Yeah. You know, and they, they, they not only went and went, went to see and were told, but then they went and told other people about it too. Right. Which, yeah. The, the, the one thing I want to point out, cause I know we're running out of time is uh, Mary heard all this and says that uh, she kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Um, I can only imagine the last year of Mary's life was very difficult. Um, and, and I mean, extremely difficult. She almost lost her husband. She probably had people all over the village talking about her. She was probably shamed and shunned in some way or another. She was pregnant. She had to go to a different town to give birth and all this kind of stuff. And can you imagine sitting there and hearing them talk about how amazing what you get to be a part of is and how amazing your kid is and how you just gave birth to the son of God and everything all of a sudden that was hard is all of a sudden worth it. And, and, and can you imagine over her life as she watched after years and years, Jesus leave and Jesus go through and, and be abused and, and also be worshiped and be, and then end up on the cross. And can you imagine some of those thoughts? I love the way the passion of Christ did. It. I've only watched it one way, one time all the way through. Cause I just hated that movie. It was beautiful. It was awesome and everything, but I just hated seeing yeah. a representation of my savior being beat like that. I just hated it. And, and, but it kept doing these flashbacks and I almost wonder if this is the idea from that. Mary heard this stuff. Mary saw this stuff. The people talking about her baby, the people affirming and reaffirming God's word to her about who the baby was. And I almost see her right here in, chat, in verse 19 at the cross, watching her son be crucified, watching her son take care of her and saying, hey, take care of my mom for me. And thinking back to those first days when the shepherds showed up and said, Mary, you are part of something so amazing. And she's thinking back and maybe these were the thoughts that kept her through all the hard times and let her know it was going to be worth it and it was going to be okay. It's just, I don't know, just something to point out to me. It, it, it so much jumps out from this. And, and, you know, I think as we end mm. time, we end it like the shepherds. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all these things. They had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May this Christmas season, as you look at Luke 2, and we take it apart for you, that you see Jesus more clearly and who he is. So, Pete, you want to lead us out as we go, wishing everybody a Merry Christmas? Sure. I just wanted to say amen to what you just said. And yes, Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, and you know, you could listen to this even if it's not Christmas, but I just want to thank you, Pastor Mac, Don, for um, bringing up the idea of doing this uh, 
Luke chapter two narrative. I think we did this almost off the cuff. And I think that uh, what, what we came up with was something that we three preachers, as you said, wanted to uh, share things from our hearts about this Christmas story because we want this Christmas story, it's not just story, this narrative to be meaningful to those who hear it. So thank you so much, Pastor Mac, Don, thank you very much for this uh, leading of this. Josh, thank you for all your fine insights. We appreciate them greatly. Josh Kugel, pastor at, uh, what's the name of your church again? First Baptist Lyman. First Baptist Lyman. I keep forgetting Lyman. In Don Gulf is at Danforth Reformed in Danforth, Illinois. And this is Pete Vecchi. <laughs> I'm on staff with uh, Christway Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. And I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. May God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas season and Lord willing, uh, we'll be back another time for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace.